0: Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, DC. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com.
1: Are you ready? Hey everybody! Hey Pop! Hello, everybody. People in the back. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Welcome everybody. Welcome to the inner loop. Without further
2: ado. Without further ado. Okay. So without further ado,
1: we're gonna get started. We should get started. We're yeah. I'm ready. We're we're gonna get started. <clears throat> <clears throat> Welcome to the Loop Radio on full-service radio recorded from our homes in Washington, D.C. for another COVID quarantine edition. I'm Rachel Koos. And I'm Courtney Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you stream from. And for all
2: of our loyal listeners out there, don't forget to leave us a review telling the world how much you love us.
1: And for any new listeners out there here on the Inner Loop Radio, we delve into all things creative writing, whether that be inspiration or craft, what makes a great ghost story or how to construct the perfect sonnet or just how we all sit down each day in front of an empty page while staying at home for the foreseeable future.
2: <laughs> That's right. We play clips of <laughs> local writers reading their work at our monthly reading series, and we invite a few of those writers and local community members members
1: to join us on our discussion. As we mentioned, today's show is being recorded remotely from our homes, and our guest will also be joining us remotely Uh, so it may sound a little different. Uh, We just crossed over into April. Uh, Right now, time doesn't seem real, and in a way, reality doesn't even seem real amid all the crisis and uncertainty the coronavirus has brought into our lives. But that's why it's more important than ever to keep a handle on our humanity and our community.
2: It certainly is. And while this April may seem dismal, every April since 1996 in America has been National Poetry Month, a tradition that's celebrated the role of poets and poetry in our culture. And this year, perhaps more than ever in the history of National Poetry Month, um, (laughs) recognizing the unmistakable poetry in everything is really important to people, not just in our country, but
1: across the world. So, it's true. Poetry has such a medicinal effect, I feel. Yes. That's a good launch, right?
2: Because speaking <laughs> of medicinal, um I really wanted to talk a little bit about some really awesome physician poets, but um just a little bit of history, too. Um, so like we said, National Poetry Month has been celebrated here since 1996. It was started by the Academy, the American Academy of Poets and now also poetry.org. And for folks who are looking for ways to stay engaged and tapped into um, the voices of our community, head over to poetry.org. There are so many activities. Um ways to engage. There's hashtag shelter in poems. You can record yourself reading a poem and then share it via social for the world. Um, I know uh, I get the poem of days in my email this month. uh, US Poet Laureate Joy Harjo is editing them and she's picked some really great ones. (laughs) Yeah. I also, Rach, have you... I've had people like there's been a resurgence reaching out to me to do poem exchanges and saying, Hey, do you want to join like our virtual writer circle? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, there's been so much effort to like reinvent what it means to connect with the community in these new circumstances. And so I think that, you know, starting these email chains, starting hashtags, um, figuring out these virtual ways to connect has been really important.
2: Yeah. And, and truly, you know, poetry is one of those things that I think is inside of us like rhythm. I mean, there is rhythm in poetry, obviously, but um, even I think for people who don't consider themselves, quote unquote, poetic, they can be touched by it um were touched mm-hmm. because of it. And so little things. Yeah. Um back to what you were you you mentioned the medicinal properties. I read this great article in the LA Times um this week and it featured Dr. Rafael Campo, who is a proper poet himself and, and a long practicing physician. Um, and he just kept talking about both the power of poetry to help Physicians process the the you know oftentimes grief and death and and, and sadness that they have to share with their patients, um, but also the healing nature of it for patients. So kind of like two sides of the coin there.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I I feel like the word of this pandemic is surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that you mentioned processing because I think that it's going to take a long time to process what's happening to us right now. And also what's happening to, you know, the people we can't see who are in the hospitals and the, you know, first responders and the nurses and doctors, what they're going through. I think it's going to take a lot of communal processing. And I think you're right. Poetry and writing is one way that we can do that. Yeah. I mean, and can you just, I mean,
2: they're just, I mean, we're all just going day by day, but like they're <laughs> the healthcare workers, especially. I feel like they're at warp speed while we're all at like slow speed, right? So there's this weird right. processing lag in between, and for each part party too. Um, so actually some actually some historically famous physician poets have written about this, um, and just other things in general. William Carlos Williams. Um one of your favorites, Rach, I didn't realize this Gertrude Stein dropped out of fourth year of medical school and was like, nah, I'm just gonna hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just gonna stick with the the poetry and uh
1: my salons." <laughs> Yeah, but it makes so much sense. Like you were saying, I mean, it's a form of healing. It's certainly a form of healing. And I'm sure that you one gets into the um, field of medicine, because they want Mm -hmm. to affect people, they want to help people, they want to heal. And I think that the transition to writing and poetry, it feels natural. It seems natural. Yeah. It, it, it's not surprising. So I just kind of
2: wanted to put that in the back of people's minds as they're listening and as they're celebrating national poetry month in different ways. Um, let's this year, especially celebrate not just, you know, the poetry and everything, but the poetry and medicine and the medicinal quality of poetry and how all those things kind of all, all overlap. Um,
1: and treat yourselves to some right. <laughs> A little self healing. Oh, <laughs> exactly, cure the common corona. Uh,
2: I Precisely. mean, not a cure. We're not. We're not out. We're not out. No. <laughs> medical advice, but it is when a it cure is. for yes.
1: isolation, for the effects of isolation. Right. I think a, a, a remedy for the symptoms. Um,
2: it's also, I mean. In this way, too, poetry serves as a useful tool across crises to speak about the unspeakable, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's, it's not poetry, but there's that that the famous line, you know, there can be is it poetry, uh, there can be no poetry after Auschwitz, right? Like, how do we, or there can be no writing, how do mm. we, like, um, how do we put voice to things that like are just unthinkable or unspeakable? Um, and also, to bring in some senses levity to what is otherwise unbearable. Yeah. Um, you know mm-hmm. there, we we I think we think about um, the you know poetry is this very serious, heavy thing that you know is is driven into our brains as as young people as like distant or philosophical, but it can also be just like real and concrete and funny um and (laughs) even even in crisis and i want i have we have a really good example from um poet local poet don illick reading bears at the inner loop let's take a listen
0: this is about this is a dystopian poem Uh, i mean i'm sure there's plenty out there um it's it's probably i mean this is this is the force that's probably going to take us down It's not gonna be Trump or any of that. It's gonna be this, and it's called Bears. (laughs) We didn't foresee the bear revolution. Picnic baskets thrown through windows, honey poured over teachers and firemen, cars and trucks overturned on highways. We should have shut down circuses, caged them with tamed ones, put more than tranquilizers in the ranger's darts. They stockpiled nuts and berries in caves, clawed messages in abandoned campsites and an Ursine language none of us understood. From our towers, we saw smoke in the forest where only leaves should have risen and fallen. Masses of fur and teeth ripped tags, broke into lodges, dragged a thousand fish on shore. Some of us survived by climbing trees. Below, bears tore branches down, one by one. Refugees who didn't fall to grisly deaths, ate needles and pine cones, drank rain. Our arms grew stronger, our bones hollow. We stood at the top, begging to grow wings. Thank you.
2: Maybe. sure yeah uh so that was uh, poet don Illick reading bears at an interloop event um and i mean just i just
1: love <laughs> well first of all yes let's just say that <laughs> i know i just want to say first that he's brilliant and then second i i love how that poem starts funny and it's absurdity and then grows yes, more serious exactly and then it culminates in this in this um sentiment i we wished you know we could grow wings know. and fly. i was <laughs> and it's so poignant right now i was listening right? through and i like, was just we like all just wow we could fly away from these yeah I was like, from our little, like, isolated homes. I was like, Don anticipated this. How? (laughs) Because that's the other thing,
2: right? (laughs) The the funny part is he's, like, talking about bears and stealing picnic blankets and whatever, whatever, right? But then, you know, obviously bears can be anything, right? It's that thing that we never think is going to be the thing. Um,
1: And, yeah. Yeah, the absurdity of it. And you know, this crisis that we're currently in does feel absurd in so many ways. You know, there have been movies about it and stories, you know, of like a super contagious disease, you know, spreading the world. And it's so that's part of the surreality of it is that I mean, it is exciting. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we've.
2: I mean, we've known. Well, we're not going to get into the like. We've known of the possibility, but similarly, I think again, and and, and what is so almost perfect about that poem is it, it's the thing that you know. It's the thing that is right in front of you right. that like you think you have a handle on that you yes. think you're familiar with. Um, that is often surprising, and that is what I love about the structure of poems too, right? We look for, we crave those turns. Like, it's like, oh, I'm familiar in this rhythm. And then when you shake me out of it is when I feel like you've, you've told me something.
1: Yeah. And you know, his style is just so perfect, you know, mixing humor with severity and his play with language. So good when they like fall to their grisly you know?
2: <laughs> yeah thanks Don
1: <laughs> uh, up next we will be joined by a very special guest the 2019 DC Youth Poet Laureate Gabriella Orozco
2: Welcome back to the Interloop Radio. We have been discussing National Poetry Month and the role of poetry during times of crisis. Uh, joining us on the show virtually from her home is DC Youth Poet Laureate Gabrielle Orozco. Hi, Gabriella.
3: Hi. <laughs> um, I'm Gabriella Orozco, and I'm really excited to be here.
1: Well, we're really excited to have you, Gabriella, and we were so excited when you were able to join us at our gala last December. And I remember the audience was just blown away by all the pieces you shared with us then. So I thought we could start with a few of your poems before we get the discussion started. Is that okay? Yeah, sure.
3: I'm going to share a a short poem of mine. It's called Bus. And it sort of deals with family. And I think many of you guys will relate to this in quarantine, those of you who are not alone, who have siblings and work Mm -hmm. and lives that are too big to be contained in small spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So yeah, here it is. Hold on. Bus. Salsa sizzles. My father's frying pan, rice and beans. He forgot to buy the lizano sauce. So we go without, eat gallo pinto, sin sabor, sin recuerdo. My brother recites instruments, trombone, violin, guitar, his hand cymbals, his feet drums, my homework undone, textbook slammed shut, research slingshot around the room, an arboretum of literature, my romantic heart wounded up and unwound. A chorus of speakers sounds, Julieta Venegas, Cae My father tries to teach my sister how to move her hips, Latin blood, twist of bachata turning with ballet, my brother clamors, Shakira, Shakira, a trumpet of a boy. I have not learned anything more than the Civil Rights Act of 1964 before my father, himself rarely a trumpet, transforms himself into professor, proclaims the tyranny of Monroe, that doctrine of intervention masquerading as peace. My brother shouts, Callate, it is too loud. Pas. Bus, the ingredient missing in our too small kitchen. Bus, let's not pretend that President Monroe was the one who took it away.
2: <laughs> that was awesome, Gabriela, and I certainly <laughs> I can relate. I have
1: been <laughs> I was gonna say I can. Re- I can definitely relate to that feeling of chaos in a tiny space. Mm.
3: Yeah, we we talk about history a lot in my house, and. It's it's very prevalent, um, and you know I'm Nicaraguan, and and my mother's South African, and growing up, um, revolution has always been a sort of a a a focus point mm-hmm. or in our lives um, from both my parents' perspectives. But now I feel like this sort of revolutionary um, angst, I suppose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's getting a little bit bottled up, um, and we're all angry right now. I mean, like, yeah. at at the government, and there's sort of a bit of a disappointment, like, oh, we, we moved all the way here for this, like, <laughs> it's starting to look a lot like um home, or the, right. like, anyway,
1: but.
2: Yeah, so true.
1: Mm-hmm. So true.
2: No, I, I really, I love the way you you were, you know, you weave in and out of uh, the sounds, the current sounds, right, in your kitchen and in your home and, and kind of the sounds and the screams and the echoes of the past through that conversation in there. That's really lovely. Um, Thank you. Yeah. And I think you had another one for us.
3: Yeah. So I don't know if you guys were looking for, um, I guess I'll share one. Should I share one that's like more recent, or, or, sure, or one that like, um, is like, kind of like one of the best,
1: <laughs> like, <not laughs> whatever, like whatever move. and How about yeah, how about both? Sure. Do one recent okay. and one, and then finish with the best. How okay. About that?
3: So, <laughs> um, in in November, I applied for the Scholastic Arts and Writing Contest. Um. I don't know how many of your listeners are my age I doubt it but um I do know that um like there are a lot of g- really really incredible writer youth writers in this city and the P- scholastic contest is like an amazing writing contest and I submitted these poems and I got a national gold medal and so that's why I wanted to share them because I'm really proud of them and maybe other people might might yeah thank you Anyway, but they're sort of similar regarding the um, my, my um, relationship with Latin America and writing these poems really helped me explore them explore it in a much deeper way. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Cordoba, cien centavos. Cordoba, one hundred cents. There are no castles here. There are spinning quarters, 16 thunderclouds clap and shake the coins off course. Crooked highways curve around mountains, your lies twist around your mouth. I tell you that you are not as human as you think. You, semi-illiterate, I have seen the beast in you. The insecurity and unstable beams when you blink. I am fifty per cent nightingale, five per cent gecko, two per cent eagle, twelve per cent some type of tropical creature, twenty four per cent animal that likes to tango, and seven per cent dustings of desert snow. The jaguar lurks peopleless, he holds his stolen Aztec mace, an obsidian blade, fire forged, and blasphemous volcano blood split open like a firecracker that separates two fingers. Smoke attempts to choke my face. I crash a current of molten lava, I careen, scorch, and cook. A child or some lost cousin of mine looks at the sky, sticks out his tongue for a snowflake. How was he supposed to know how
1: ash tastes? Hmm I love that I love that image of the beast being brought out in all of us because it certainly feels that way right now. I feel like we've all been sort of reduced, sort of ironically, we've been reduced to this primitive survival Mm -hmm. version of ourselves, while at the same time being uh, forced into, you know, the virtual world. It's Mm -hmm. a very precarious Mm -hmm. place for us to be living in. So I really felt that in the poem. Can I share... um
3: A couple, just a little bit more, if that's okay?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sure.
3: Yeah, so a few weeks ago, um, the first week of quarantine slash spring break, but really quarantine, (laughs) um, I decided to write this poem called Remedy because with this rock, they they have youth programming, and they had a prompt that said, write a remedy. And I felt, I really, really need to do this. and. It was kind of about um how my my family um my on my mother's side, my mother's from South Africa, and um for us, like the Jewish tradition is very important to us, and it's really helped us connect, and it's been really, really lovely so i'm 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 gonna share that poem, Remedy um, It's about spring and Shabbat and peace. Or, yeah. Okay, sorry. It's just taking a while to load, sorry. Okay. okay, here it is. Remedy. A remedy of upright trees and room to breathe. The blossoms beckon. Blooming city blocks call my granny from a continent away. I send her pictures of the sidewalks. Despite the time difference, I pray that I remember it regardless. That my remedy won't wake her up. She misses springtime here, and for the first time in 76 years, she lit the Shabbat candles alone, her blessings warming an empty home, a remedy of sunshine, soft hands, and bike rides. This city's silence is soothing, a lullaby of red lights, marble, limestone, and living room folding parties, a remedy of small children, sweet rain, and a welcome storm, a remedy of daffodils sprouting, dizzy spinning, and an electron dance. My sister and I piss ourselves with laughter. We play pretend, put our wheels together, pillows on the couch, anything to avoid this disaster. A remedy of sisterhood, a shechecheyanu, how lucky we are to be together, a psalm and a soothing balm. My family holds me tight, a hug wrapped in a place to sleep each night. The Shema reminds me to keep it on my lips. I forget the words. The Hebrew forms itself into fragile shapes and twists. I rip the blinds open, shelter in the holiness of light. I have no synagogue to go to. The doors of the ark shuttered closed. A Shabbat of loneliness. The minyan consists of my mother and some memories. My own prayers and whispered pleas. A Remedy of Peace Prayers texted to my rabbi of restless practice, rustling leaves, and a world repaired again. We relight the candles. My mother recites the priest's blessing, but none of us are priests or priestesses. We're just souls on fire, faithful to an extent, dressed in pajamas and princess dresses. Kept alive by prayer and hope, we open our throats. Refuse to let the smoke swallow us. We recall South African sunsets. Let the song rise and roll through us. As I am blessed, my sister's hands settle on my head. I take a deep breath and hope for the best.
1: (laughs) How lucky we are to all be together. I love that. Thanks. Yeah, that's what it. Should that be does under. feel like the remedy.
2: <laughs> and Gabriella, that's very. I mean, we were we were just talking about <laughs> remedies and and how poetry is a remedy and and being together to create poetry, whether it's written down or not, is is therapeutic. Um, so thank you for sharing that very personal poem with us. Um, we want to know a little bit about, I mean, you're an incredibly articulate uh, young woman, and we want to know a little bit about you as, as a young writer. What what drew or, or draws you to poetry? What's your origin story?
3: <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I've always been a reader, and I was never a poet to begin with. And I think that you can only be a writer if mm-hmm. you're a reader, Um, that, that's a very important thing to me. And, you know, I, like my parents have sort of, I've, I've been raised with the importance of literature and, and history and politics, and they sort of all have been intertwined. Um, and I've been sort of using poetry to sort of like untangle the different aspects of my identity Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, but mm-hmm. also as a way to process my own emotions. And um, I don't know, I guess my origin story, when I was um, eight, <laughs> um, I was a part of a Spanish immersion program and we, we were doing this poetry thing and I got to read a poem in front of the whole school and it was called Arco Iris and that means rainbow. And I compared each color to something else. And then we got to go to a different school and I had this like pink and yellow dress and it was just so exciting. (laughs) And my mom came (laughs) in and I was eight years old and I just went up and I recited my poem in Spanish. And like, I guess you could say that was (laughs) And also like um, the Chilean poet, Gabriela Mistral, I was always like, oh, she has the same name as me. She's. The first Latina poet I mean uh Nobel laureate so I guess I can do that too and yeah. And then I started writing more seriously um in eighth grade. And of course, you know, every teenage writer has that element of angst that is very prevalent and and it's a lot more nuanced and than it was when I was eight. But I guess some things are still the same. (laughs) Absolutely. I still like the (laughs) microphone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask, that tells us what drew you to poetry. So how did you venture into slam poetry? Or what draws you to slam poetry?
3: Um, I wouldn't define myself necessarily as a slam poet, but I do like to slam. And... I I started out by going to open mics at Busboys and Poets DC staple, and doing events at Split This Rock and with Words Beats and Life because Words Beats and Life they run the Poet Laureate program and when I was a finalist, um, I we were supposed to be performing at the Kennedy Center Millennium Stage and I was like, well, if I'm going to be performing, then I have to put on a <laughs> performance,
1: and mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know. Over the past year and a half, I've become a lot more comfortable with that space um, because yeah. I started out more as a writer and a reader and less of a performer. But I'm really trying to utilize my voice and make my readings also performances in the same way, but without, the, without sort of diminishing the value of the words. Um, and...
1: Yeah, certainly I feel like Courtney and I are always talking about how the artists need to be able to adjust their art for different venues yeah. and outlets including performance. Well,
2: that is awesome Gabriella. Thank you for sharing those poems with us and for joining us on the show today. Um we're going to we're going to stop here but I'm we're not going to little yeah, dose of medicine. Talk
1: about medicine. <laughs> we're not going to let you go yet. Um, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Gabrielle is going to stick around for our special segment in the spirit of slam poetry, Poetic Mad Libs. Ooh, Stay tuned. Okay.
2: Welcome back to the Inner Loop Radio, broadcasting live from our living rooms, thanks to full service radio we are in our living rooms today and for the foreseeable future because we all care about the safety of our local and global communities.
1: But while we protect our community from the spread of COVID-19, we can still celebrate poetry. But what is poetry, one might ask? Interlooper Israfel Sivad tries to tackle that very question. Have a listen.
4: Nothing is poetic because everything is poetic. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Only because a summer's day is full of sweat and the noxious odors of rank garbage. Two roads diverged in a wood, but I took the one that a teenage couple wasn't making out at the end of. (laughs) Everything is poetic because nothing is poetic. I can feel my shoes strapped tight to my soles because April is the cruelest month. I have this little twitch where I bring my upper lip to my nose since so much depends on a red wheelbarrow. Poetry is nothing because poetry is everything. I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree unless that tree happens to be a yellow 1978 Dodge Dart. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me because we never even had the chance to meet. Poetry is everything because poetry is nothing. I spend my days working nine to five, hypocrite reader, my double, my brother, The whole world exists in humanity's meaningless words, rage, sing goddess of Achilles. Thank you very much. And thank you very much to Interloop Lit as well.
1: That was Israfel Siva reading his poem entitled What is Poetry at an Interloop event.
2: I mean, he's got the big names in there. William Carlos Williams, April is the cruelest month. All of this <laughs> stuff is so on to <laughs> um, Isabel attempted to answer that big question by weaving his own words and lines between famous lines from famous poems in a kind of poetic Mad Libs? Um, I've got a few famous lines here. And so you guessed it. We're going to try to create a poem doing the same. <laughs> we're going to do a little round robin here, ladies. I'm going to need you both to help me out with this one.
1: Okay. I feel like you need to explain a little to the audience what we're doing.
2: Okay. So, so we, we have, do you want to go do cut? No, no.
1: I would <laughs> like you to do it. You came up with it. Okay. Okay.
2: So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines, uh, eight famous lines from famous poems. And we are going to intersperse our own lines between them each of us going around in turn and just like coming up with a line on the spot. I will read the famous lines in between the ones that we put in. So I'll cue us all up. Okay. Great. Cool. Oh God. And I'm, I'm first for adding a line. (laughs) (laughs) All (laughs) right. So, all right. I saw the best of minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, running through the streets until the streets were empty we return to our homes i read much i read much of the night and go south in the winter
3: gabriella you're up gabriella sorry <laughs> <laughs> right. the flashlights shine my sheets shiver the pages turn i read and i giggle uh i don't know and, um, <laughs> I read much of the night and go south in the winter. The flashlights shine, my sheep shiver. Winter and summer, sleepaway camp, and a book tucked under the covers, reading eternal.
2: Great, sorry. We sing sin, we thin gin.
1: I can bend, I can send. This man-eating virus home. (laughs) Does
2: my haughtiness offend you? If so, you can run right on back to wherever you came from. Whether it...
3: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Whose woods these are, I think I know. I think I know nothing. Only the way the wind blows. Only the things the books say. Only... my mother says she named me after a rose because
1: i could not stop for death i could not stop for the dead the sick the alive for myself
2: tis the wind and nothing more
1: Boom. Lovely. <laughs> Good that work, That was better than expected. I know. I
2: like you just got to kind of jump into it.
3: Yes. <laughs> I got to start doing that more often. I need right? practice. Right? Got to practice.
1: Okay, that's our show. Join us every other Friday at noon right here on Full Service Radio or anytime while you're in quarantine on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again,
2: Gabriella. To find out more about us or submit to read at our next event, visit us at, well, our next virtual event for the time being. (laughs) Visit us at
1: theinnerlooplit.org. Today's episode was produced by Courtney Sexton, and our theme music is by Andrew Logan. Thanks again to Gabriella Orozco for joining us on the show.
2: If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app.
1: Such as... Sight, insight, such devastating discussion, a must hear.
2: Or, was better than joining another Zoom happy hour.
1: (laughs) Or, for 30 minutes, (laughs) I almost forgot the world was ending.
2: And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe! Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Happy writing, everyone. Right on, and happy Poetry Month.